Welcome back to Passions Over Pancakes. My name is Hannah. I am the creator and the host of this podcast, a project in which I have conversations with people while we eat pancakes. So buckle in. Today is going to be a fantastic episode with my friend Boston, and we're going to be learning all about acting, how he got into acting, his advice for aspiring actors. Uh, We're going to introduce a lightning round. It's just going to be overall a wonderful episode. And if you are an aspiring actor, please stay to the end. This is a much shorter episode than we have done in the past, and I guarantee that you're going to glean a lot of good information from Boston. While I have you here in the beginning of the episode, if you wouldn't mind clicking that subscribe button or follow button, whichever platform you're on, there should be a way to go ahead and follow the rest of this podcasting journey with me. And I would so appreciate it if you would just take a second to do that. And if you feel so inclined at the end of the episode, feel free to please leave a thumbs up or a good review of this podcast. It means the absolute world to me. It takes just a couple of seconds and it truly does help build this podcast in ways that you will never truly be able to understand. And I am just so grateful for each one of you who takes just a couple of seconds to do those things. It really makes a world of a difference, truly more of a difference than, again, you will ever know. With all that out of the way, today's guest is my friend Boston. And Boston is one of those people that once you meet him, you really just have a better life. (laughs) He really just brightens up any room that he walks into. He makes friends with everybody that he sees. And he is just somebody that is so inspirational, especially on the stage. So Boston is an actor, a screenplay writer and he's a comedian he's an improv genius and he just does so many cool things in the creative space a lot of things that I really can learn from Uh, this episode is a little bit shorter but we did have a lot of side conversations that didn't go into the episode and I learned so much from Boston and I'm really grateful for our friendship I'm really grateful for this conversation that we had together I hope that you're able to gain just as much inspiration and information from this podcast episode as I was during our little side conversations. So Boston and I met, gosh, probably three years ago, maybe four years ago now, down at Snow College in Ephraim, Utah. And we met, I believe we met at a Solid Rock Cafe event. And I just hit it off with him right away and we became friends and we've kind of stayed in touch throughout the years and I was so excited when he wanted to come on the podcast because I know that he has a lot to offer in the creative space. So he has done everything from improv to screen pro- screenplay writing to comedy to serious plays and and just everything in between. So I really think that you're going to enjoy this episode, even if you know nothing about theater. It's always just fun to get to know about people's lives and where they came from and what they're interested in. So with all that being said, I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Boston, and I appreciate each of you for being here, and I hope that you enjoy this shorter than normal episode, because I know that I for sure did. One last thing before we get started, just like Brock's episode two weeks ago, this episode was filmed a long, long time ago, many moons, many months ago, and we are just now getting this uploaded, which is a bummer and is totally on me, so you might hear at the very end of this episode that Boston is in a play that was supposed to be going on in April. That has already passed, but there are so many more things coming up with that theater production company that he was talking about, and all the links are in the description, and he is in so many more upcoming things. So if you want to get a glimpse of something that he's in, feel free to look down in the description at the Off-Broadway Theater, and you can find all of the information there for things that he will be in upcoming, as well as things that he's already been in. 
And finally, you will notice if you're watching on YouTube that there is no video for this as well. Just as with Brock's episode, there is something funky that happened with the Zoom and I'm not able to recover the video, but the audio is great and he recorded audio on his end too, so the audio should be just fine for this episode. Unfortunately though, there is no video, so I apologize for that. Hopefully I will be able to recover the upcoming episode's videos. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's enjoy this episode together. Grab a cup of coffee, buckle in your seatbelt, grab your tea, whatever you're ending up doing while you're listening to this. I hope that you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Everybody, welcome Boston to the podcast. Boston, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to dive into this with you. Glad to be here. Well, I guess I should mention for everybody listening and watching before we get into this, I had recorded a podcast with Boston in 2020, right before that random hiatus that Passions Over Pancakes took. And it was honestly one of my favorite podcast episodes and it just never got uploaded. And so we are here again to talk again about theater, um, writing, comedy, everything in between. And it's, it's going to be bigger and better than ever because as we were talking before the podcast and we were both saying we are just totally different people now and watching him from afar I feel like both of us have grown into the people that we are supposed to be so I'm super super excited to to get into this and see everything that has changed um not that you guys would know what has changed but I'll know so it'll be my little secret but (laughs) um but it's just gonna be a great episode so with all that being said Let's go ahead and get into talking about theater. So Austin, tell me a little bit about what got you into theater in the first place. How long have you been doing theater? Kind of what's what's the whole shindig? What's your love for theater? So it's, it's kind of an interesting story about how I got into theater. When I was in elementary school, there were some friends of mine, these girls during recess, they one day were just like, we're going to put on a show. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'll come watch it. So they put on a show at the playground. I'm pretty sure I was the only audience member there. But I was like, this is this is really cool. I want to do this. I want to put on my own show. So I would like uh, I would like get some friends together and like we would start putting stuff. None none of it ever ever was performed, and it was just like we were we just play around with characters and stuff. But that was kind of my first my first experience with with theater and with performing. Um, and I was like, mom, I want to, I want to be signed up for acting classes. And so she's like, okay, cool. We'll sign up for acting classes. We did some acting exercises and everything. I remember on the first day I was like, so, um, we, we going to perform this? We're going to, we going to perform what we're doing? And they're like, no, it's just, just an exercise. Just an exercise, Boston. We're not, we don't get to perform this until like the very, very end. So I don't even remember how long that lasted, uh, like a year maybe. And then at the end of the year, we did a show called The Grasshopper and the Ants. If I recall, I was one of the ants. Sounds very kid friendly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was it was a fun time. It was a fun time doing that. And then that was kind of my first my first experience with theater was was doing that. And uh, I think after that year, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with theater for a second. I'm done with acting. I mean, it's fun, but I'm just going to chill. So as an elementary schooler says in that vernacular, <laughs> um, <laughs> so year, years went by, we moved, uh, this is all when I was growing up in Texas and then we moved to Utah. Um, I went to elementary school and then I went, then I went to middle school and so they were doing a murder mystery play the semester before. 
And I was like, oh, that'd be cool, but I don't have time for that, so I skipped out on that. And then later in the semester, they were doing the school musical, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And my music teacher was like, you should sign up for this. And I was like, okay, cool. But the auditions came around, and I didn't think I was ready. So I didn't end up doing So I didn't end up doing that. I prepared uh, Do Re Mi from Sound of Music. But then I got nervous and didn't sign up for an audition. So a few days later, my music teacher was like, hey, you should come to callbacks because we still need guys. And so I was like, okay, cool. I didn't know what a callback was. For those who don't know what a callback is, it's it's the second round of auditions. It's like you you audition, you do your piece for the director, and then if they want and if they, they like you or if they want to see you for something specific, they call you back for an, for they call you back as a specific character. So I had skipped the audition. I had skipped step one and I went straight to callbacks, which doesn't happen normally. You're just that good. But <laughs> I, I guess I don't know. <laughs> So, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to sing Do Re Mi. I was ready to go. And then I didn't sing Do Re Mi. And I was like, is this, a, is this what auditions are? Did I even need to have this song memorized or anything? And then I, through some stroke of luck, I got the part of Linus in Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. And I, that was kind of my first real play. Grasshopper and the Ants was its own, its own thing entirely. But my first real play was Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. And it was so fun. It was like there's six of us kids in it, and it was, we were kind of a tight knit group. And uh, I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons I do theaters because I I met I I meet people and I get to know people and I make friends from that. And that was my first experience with that. And then the next year I did Susical Susical Junior. I played a Wickersham monkey. They were like we there were three of us, but they were like we we got the three nicest kids in school to play three of the meanest meanest kids in the jungle. <laughs> so we did Susical Junior, and that was that was fun. And I just it just kept going from there. Like every every production, I was I was I I was in. Uh, I tried out for, and I somehow made it in every time. Because at that point, it was just kind of a hobby. It was like just something I did for fun after school. But I remember the the point, I remember the specific point when I was like, I want to do this for a living. I want to actually be an actor. James Corden hosted the 2016 Tony Awards and he did some opening number that was like, it was anyone can, anyone can do theater. It's a, it's a place of anyone, any shapes and sizes, color, anyone can do theater. And I was like, that's, that's amazing. I, I don't know what it was about that, but just... I was so inspired that I I was like, I need to do this. I mean, I need to get into theater and actually pursue it. So I graduated like two years, two years later. I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to do theater. Uh, my senior year of high school, I uh, it kind of took a little bit of a turn, a little bit of a change. We were doing a 10 minute play festival. I wrote a little 10 minute play about a playwright who he sets up a competition to he sets up a competition for people to meet him, spend 10 minutes with him. But then he doesn't think anybody was actually going to show up and win. So, so he's like, "Okay, uh I'll just write a play for you guys and I'll pull two people from the audience to act it out." Of course, the people were planted. There weren't actually people from the audience pulled up, but everyone loved it. Just the just the way everyone thought it was hilarious. And that was like my first, one of my first experiences of writing something that people that people liked. I guess still wanted, I w still wanted to do acting, but that was kind of the moment when I was like, I want to pursue writing as well. I would love to, I'd love to write and act in what I write. And then I went to, I went to Snow College and I studied theater for two years. 
I mean, it kind of brings us to now. Uh, after two years, I graduated with my associates in theater. For like a couple months, maybe a year after that, I was kind of burned out on theater. I had done so much of it. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do theater. And then and then I saw this audition on Facebook for a group called the Off-Broadway Theater. They were doing a show called The Littlest Mermaid. Uh, the Off-Broadway Theater is based in Draper. They used to be based in Salt Lake City. So they moved to Draper, to the Draper Historic Theater in Draper, Utah. And I saw a post on Facebook. They were like, we're doing a parody of The Little Mermaid called The Littlest Mermaid. I was like, this just looks like a lot of fun. This looks like a lot of fun just doing a parody of a show and having a good time. And so I auditioned for it. I It was a video audition. I sent it in. I was like, this is the worst audition I've ever done. Uh, so I was just like, I'm not getting in this show. But f- through some stroke of luck, which is just kind of a theme, I guess, for me, is just I made it in the show. They cast me as the crab character who we named Crabsworth in the original movie, Sebastian. And it was just a lot of fun just making people laugh. My freshman year of college, I played a character named Elbow in the William Shakespeare's Measure for Measure. That part was, I was really able to let loose and just make people laugh. And I realized then that that's kind of my life calling is just to make people laugh, to do what I can to make the world a better place because the world's so depressing. And I think we need a laugh. We need a laugh here and there. And I think with with the off-Broadway theater, I've been able to sort of harness that and be able to, through comedy, help people have a brighter day. And I'm still and I'm still working with them. I uh, I'm writing a show for them, uh, but I don't think I can say much more than that. I'm writing my own parody for them. Whether or not it'll happen, I don't know. I guess it's up to the up to the board to decide. For sure. Well, let's let's dive into that. Let's dive into screenplay yeah. because I know that you have. I mean, you even mentioned it before in your senior year. You wrote that play. And I know that you've had a lot of different projects throughout the years of writing things. So let's dive into what that looks like for you. What is, I just, I'm really curious as to what your creative process looks like. So tell me kind of from beginning to end, what it looks like for you to get an idea and then flesh out that idea and then put it onto paper. What does that look like for you? I mean, it's not really a a process. I don't know. I don't. I don't like getting asked this question because it's like, I don't, I don't know. I just sit down and write. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I mean, that's kind of, kind of pretty much it. I just, I mean, it, there's more planning involved than there used to be. I wrote a play. I started writing it my, my, my senior year of high school. Um, it got a staged reading at Snow College. But for that, it was like, I'm just going to sit down and just write what comes to me. Um, but since working on this, working on this play, for the off-Broadway theater, I've seen that there kind of needs to be more of a more of a planning process. Uh, sit down and like, even if it's just like, this is what happens in this scene, this is what happens in this scene, sort of getting a story from beginning to end, because the story is essentially what is the most important part. And I can't believe it took me this long to realize that. Mel Brooks is like a very good example of like, you just kind of put jokes in and see what sticks and like, just throw stuff at the wall. And if, if something funny doesn't work, there's another joke coming like, 10 seconds later and it's like just keep doing keep doing what's funny but you also need to do what's funny to you very true and I think that's so valuable to say because if you're not staying true to what makes you laugh and what makes you funny to yourself then Mm -hmm. other people aren't going to think you're funny if you I mean even if you do put a joke in there that you think won't land it's not gonna land you know like you have to 100% believe that that is the funniest thing you've ever put out 
otherwise it's not going to land and it's not going to work. And then you're going to be bummed that you didn't think of something else or that you did put out what you knew wasn't 100% the best that you could have done. Okay. Let's mesh the idea of comedy and screenplay writing and your creative process. So you at heart are a comedian. When I first met you, I knew from the very get-go, like that's just who you are. You're a comedian and Mm -hmm. you do so much with that in your everyday life and on social media and through your work and everything that you do creatively do you ever get burnt out on being like the funny guy um not really I mean there are some times when I'm like there's deeper stuff I can do I I'm working on a uh on writing some comedy music but every now and then I'm like I'm like maybe there's like more more here than just just the laughs I mean there you can mesh comedy with really anything and I think I mean you can you can make a a dramatic play that's funny and I think even then it'll make it hit. That'll probably make it hit even harder. If you're like, you're laughing and you're crying at the same time. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's a really good point. And I, I like that you brought that up because I think so many times you go to a movie or you see a movie on Netflix or whatever, and it's labeled as something specific. And mm-hmm. like, if it's a drama or I'm, I'm thinking specifically of Spider-Man, the newest Spider-Man movie. I went and saw that in theaters with my husband and I, I don't know anything about the Marvel universe. We just went to it because he was obsessed and he was so excited about it. But I was sitting there like, I hope this movie makes sense to me. And it was so powerful. No spoilers here if anybody hasn't seen it. But like, you've had a month. Come on, get with it. It's a great movie. And it was so dramatic the whole time and so like gripping. But they threw in so much comedy that it offset it. And it didn't make it a comedy movie. But it really, and it didn't lighten the mood. But it definitely gave it a a sweet taste with all of the tears and the laughter and the gripping your husband's hand because you're so nervous of what's going to happen next type of thing, you know? And so comedy is so important. And I love so much that like you are one, you are genuinely one of the funniest people I know just from what I see on Facebook and just what I see on social media, of course. And it's true, but like that doesn't define you, you know? And I I really love that you're able to sprinkle that in, but that's not everything that you are all of the time you feel i i was gonna say one of my favorite examples of uh of how like you need comedy to go along with the drama look at a like a musical like les miserables i don't know if you're familiar with that at all you have you have all of this like horrible stuff happening all these people dying and like and everything and then you have master of the house that comes in it's like a really funny song i mean you need a moment to breathe and like there's the drama but y'all seem to balance it out it makes it i mean not as unbearable i guess i don't know so true and and that's such a great parallel to life too because we need the laughs we need the break in our day in the midst Mm -hmm. of a crazy world in the midst of this crazy pandemic that's happening in the midst of family things school things all the stressors of life we do need a second just to sit and breathe and laugh because that laughter truly is the best medicine and so getting a second to be able to do that is so important <laughs> and we and, need and people I like- who are willing to do that okay well that that brings me to a question that I wanted to ask you earlier but I think it might fit pretty well here I think kind of speaking to what you're you were just talking about I think there is sometimes a war between um different genres of of theater and also at the same time I think there's a war between different communities of theater and I think so often that 
that war, so to speak, is brought on by the fans and the people who are so in love with the theater and the plays and the movies that these actors are portraying. So with all that being said, tell me about the community aspect of theater. You had spoken a little bit about that tight-knit community in your good man, Charlie Brown. Um, Mm -hmm. As you've progressed in the theater world and gotten more than just a toe dipped into that whole arena of theater how how has the community changed you i feel like i can be more of myself around around my fellow actors i've been able to like be be more of be more of an idiot i mean for lack of a better term not like really stupid but not afraid to make a fool out of myself if that makes if that makes sense yes you're gonna have those people with huge egos and those people can get out of here but like there's no there's no room for an ego in the theater there really isn't. You you leave your ego at the door, something I learned in high school. The theater community is one of the most accepting groups I have I've been a part of. It's like, yes, we have our drama, but like I I can be myself. I know I don't have to be afraid to be myself. I love that too because it's so comforting to find to see people who are living their dream in the theater world, but also are able to be so much of themselves because I think so often in this rat race of a world that we're in right now, you lose yourself to your dream. But in theater, it doesn't seem like you lose yourself to your dream. It seems like your dream and your life can coexist in a way. And theater isn't who you are. It's just what you do. I find that so cool, honestly, just because it's it's not something that's so overtaking and, and enveloping to the individual, unlike so many other things like people's jobs and people's families and all that stuff can just become who they are, but it's cool. Like you can just be yourself and everybody needs that community. You know, it's ironic that it's the the community where you're playing another character and not being yourself where you can be yourself. So speaking of having your life be separate from your work and who you are and being accepted in the community of theater and all that, do you think, and you can, I don't know what your answer is going to be to this, but I'm just so curious. Do you think that anybody can do theater? Well, like anybody walking off the street, do you think that they would be able to learn theater well? Or do you think it takes a very specific person to have that almost innately in them to be able to do theater well? I think anyone, I think anyone can do theater. I think it takes, it takes someone who's willing to put in the, the time and the effort to be able to learn. I mean, yes, there is, there is some amount of talent involved, but like, I mean, it's like kind of the story of the tortoise and the hare. The hare was very, very gifted and very fast. He was, he knew he was like, I'm going to win this race. And you have the tortoise who was slow and was, he was a little bit more humble about it. The hare was like, I'm way, I'm way ahead of him. I don't need to put in any, any work to this. I'm just going to take a nap. And it was the tortoise that won, that won the race. I think that's kind of, that kind of applies here. You're willing to, to put in the work and the time. I mean, yes, you're behind, but you can catch up to people if you're willing to put in the work and the time and the and the and the dedication to be able to master this craft i think anyone can i have a friend who i met at snow college she she only had a very like small amount of experience with theater but uh she she's one of like the hardest working people i know she like she she didn't do any theater in high school as far as i'm aware she was a sports person uh but she put all the, all this time and energy and effort into 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 learning acting and learning directing and she's like one of the most talented people i know in the field of theater i imagine she knows more about theater than i do 
and I've been doing it for like years and years. And so it's, it's, I think anyone can do it. It's just what you're willing to put into it. I, I love that answer so much. And I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that, but I'm really grateful that you went where you went with that. There, there's a, an idea floating around that, and that I love so much. And I don't know who originally said it, but you, if you are wanting to do something in this case, theater, if you're wanting to do theater and you're already 26 years old, but you think, well, by the time I actually get good at it, what's it going to be four years down the road? That's too much time to put into it. I'm already 26. I'm going to be 30 by the time that that four-year commitment is up, but you're going to be 30 by the time that you get to those four years anyway. So you might as well spend it doing something that you love and work absolutely hard at it and work your butt off trying to get to where you Mm want to be because no matter what, you're going to be 30 in those four years. So are you going to be 30 and stay in the same place that you are at 26 or are you going to be 30 and getting a whole new world wrapped around you? You know? Yeah. I, I love, yes, totally. I, I'm really grateful you, you said what you did there. Cause that's, that's super encouraging, I think to anybody. Um, and I think that pertains to really anything, any type of creativity, any type of job, anything that people want to get into what you said totally applies to everything. So I'm really grateful that you, that you said what you said there. I don't think it has necessarily everything to do with what we're talking about now, but I'm just curious, um, with things that you put out, whether it's podcasts or YouTube videos or theater or your screenplays, are you ever 100% satisfied with what you put out? And in conjunction with that question, do you think that people who do create things should be 100% satisfied with what they put out? Or do you think that there should always be a lingering, oh, I could have done better to be able to push them on to something else? There's a saying, and I'm probably not, I'm probably paraphrasing it, but it's the, the painting is never finished. It's merely abandoned. I don't think a project will ever be 100%, 100% finished. I think there is always something you can improve. And uh, I think there's always something that you can do that you can do better. It just gets to the point where you can't work on this forever. There is a point when you either when you either give up or you just let people see what you have what you've done. I don't think I will ever be satisfied with anything I do. I look at old things I've done and I'm like, oh, I could have done I could have done this better. And maybe I'll revisit them someday. There is a chance that you can work on it again. But if there's a way you can be 100% satisfied, I say take it. But I don't I don't think that's possible for me anyway. Uh, I think I do want to say one thing. Yeah, uh, go for it. Piece of advice for anyone getting into, getting into theater. I think don't be afraid to make a fool of yourself on, on stage. Don't be... I think some of the fun... Some of the most fun I've had on stage is when I could just be loud and obnoxious and just be an absolute fool. I think don't be afraid to just put your put your ego and your self-image out the door. Leave it and just have fun. I mean, that's... I realized a long time ago, if it's not fun for you, then you shouldn't be doing it. If, I ha- if I'm going to have more fun doing a comedy than a drama, I'm going to choose the comedy. Or if I'm going to have more fun doing a drama, I'm going to choose the drama. It's like, do it. Do what's fun for you and do what you love. Don't do what you hate, I guess is what I'm what I'm saying. That's that's my advice. Have fun. It's a theater's fun. Performing is fun. Yeah. That's my advice. And that's such great advice for for people in theater and people just in any passion too. Um, but I love that. Don't do what you hate. I really, really love that. And I'm considering putting that on a (laughs) t-shirt. I see there's so much there. There's so much there that you can offer if you just let yourself offer it. So true. So true. And I appreciate actors and actresses who do let themselves go and not let themselves go, Mm -hmm. but let themselves be a little bit silly and crazy and more crazy and silly Mm -hmm. than they 
normally are in an acting setting. For those who are listening, Boston and I met at Snow College, which I think has been mentioned in this podcast. He was in a little group called Let Them Improvise or LTI, and they would perform in the Black Box Theater. And I remember looking forward to it every single time that they would have an improvising night. Um, It would just be everybody in in our chairs waiting for it to start and you could just feel the excitement because you knew that it was going to be the best night of your week and I those were honestly some of my favorite memories at snow college I laughed until I cried I think I peed my pants once like it was just so exciting and I know for a fact that if any of those people on that team had held back even even just a percentage it would not have been the same and it would not have been as funny Mm -hmm. and it would not have been as enjoyable as an audience member. And I'm sure as a performer too. Um, so, so just to echo that advice as an audience member, just really go for it. You know, I I think Mm -hmm. said it perfectly. Just, just don't do what you hate and do something that you absolutely love and do it 1000% and you're going to have the best time. One of the things I love about improv and I think is cool about it is there's no time to think you 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 just say what say what you need to say like obviously don't be offensive don't be like don't don't be a don't be a jerk to the point where it makes people uncomfortable but like there's no time to think about not being a fool there's just you just go in and you just say what happened what comes out and like i think that's i think that's really fun yeah and it's enjoyable for y'all as the performers and it's enjoyable for the audience members which at some point is what theater is about for sure Ah, all right lightning round let's get into the lightning round okay so for people who have been listening and watching passion silver pancakes you will not recognize what the lightning round is this is a brand new thing that we are starting right now as we are speaking and it's just a bunch of quick questions with quick answers nothing too crazy nothing too serious this is not an original idea i'm sure that a billion other podcasts out there have done a lightning round but (laughs) we're going to be doing a lightning round so um these are all questions pertaining to what we have talked about a little bit um throughout this podcast but uh in a, i mean they pertain to the ideas of theater and and screenwriting and all that stuff so let's get started drum roll please <laughs> okay boston what is your favorite movie and why i don't believe in having one favorite movie i have like five so i love monty python and the holy grail the spongebob squarepants movie dumb and dumber ferris bueller's day off and there was one other but i don't remember it um i need oh who framed roger rabbit those are like my top five next question what is your favorite broadway play and why i love the music man that is my favorite musical my favorite play is the play that goes wrong because it's just it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life uh my favorite musical is the music man i i was in it my church did it my eighth grade year and I was just in it as a townsperson, but it was like, I, I love, it was such a great experience being in that play. And so that's, I don't know why that play, that musical out of all the play, out of all the musicals I've done has stuck out so much to me, but I love that musical. The music man is my favorite. Harold Hill is one of my dream roles. That's awesome. How cool. My, my uh, high school did that play. My sophomore or junior year and there was one line and I can't remember what it was but there was one line that was oh it was the what do you talk what do you talk for some reason that just I can't I can't for some oh, that what do you that talk what do you talk what do you pick what do you talk you could talk 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 you could pick it you could talk you could talk all you want but it's different than it was no way I don't know the territory <laughs> oh my gosh yes but it was just that that what do you talk 
for everybody yeah. so I played in pit um so I was playing the flute and the saxophone and every time that line would come on everybody would kind of turn to me and laugh because it was just the actor who did it did it so well that it was so obnoxious and I just couldn't <laughs> I could not it made me so like it just it it just boiled my blood every time <laughs> which was oh, awesome and it made it so much better for I think I just think it made the viewing experience so much better because that was like a common theme amongst everybody who saw the play that was just like he was so good it was obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> anyways anyways yes that's a, that is a fantastic yes. fantastic I love play. that musical what is your favorite show to binge watch and why I just recently watched a show called the called good omens I read I read the book I was like I'm gonna read the book that it's based on by uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett it's one of the best books I've ever read, and I 100% recommend it. It's also really funny. It's about an angel and a demon trying to stop Armageddon. It's really funny, and it's, a real, it's, like, it's a good satire on like the end of days stories we hear. There's a show on Amazon Prime uh, that's based on the book. Uh, stars David Tennant and Michael Sheen, and it is just as good as the book. It actually improves on it, I think. But I read the book. It's a great book. It's a great show. I went on a trip and I watched it pretty much the entire way home. It's a, it's like eight, it's like six or seven episodes, I think. So it's not that long, but that's one of my recent favorites. Sweet. Well, I'll have to look into that. Sweet. Okay. All right. Next question is, who is your favorite actor and who is your favorite actress? I don't think I have too many favorite actors or actresses. I was told once after a show that they love my Chris Farley former Saturday Night Live cast member. And I said, I wasn't going for Chris Farley, but thanks anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Chris Farley. He's like one of my inspirations and he's great. He was a great actor, but it wasn't what I had in mind. <laughs> so I guess probably he's, he's up there. I, I'm a fan of Chris Pratt. I know he kind of gets a bad rap these days, but I think he's funny. Yes. Chris Pratt is my favorite Chris, honestly. My husband and I have been going oh, to yeah. the Marvel movies um because it was either that or star wars and i was like mm, i feel like the marvel movies would be better and we had just seen spider-man and i was like i kind of want to understand what's going on <laughs> so we've been yeah. going to the marvel movies and literally last night we watched um guardians of the galaxy and i i oh, love yeah. chris pratt he is by far one of my favorite people on planet earth and i i really really love him as an actor so go go pratt I don't- <laughs> last and final question dun, dun, dun. okay boston what advice would you give to somebody who wants to get into the creative world or the acting world or the screenwriting world, anything, any creative worlds that you're in? What advice would you give to them if they are afraid to get into that world for fear of failure or they don't have any support around them? I think just just do it. The worst that can happen is that it doesn't happen. The worst that can happen is that it, it doesn't come to be. I mean, I don't think anyone got anywhere from not doing something. I say just do it. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you, what have you got to lose? I'm sure I mean, I'm sure that's easier said than done and I'm sure some people have a lot to lose. Uh when Angela Weber was writing Cats, he put he took out a mortgage on his home. So he had a lot to lose. But that musical ended up being a success for some reason. Yeah, just just do it. It have a good time doing it. I love that. And I think that's such simple but such fantastic advice that I think everybody needs to hear and everybody need that needs that push every once in a while just do it you're right what do you have to lose unless you have a lot to lose in which case think about it but uh, yes. if you have if you have time if you're young even 
if you're not young, you know, whatever you consider to be mm-hmm. young, just do it. Kind of like what you were kind of talking about earlier of in three or four years, you're going to be three or four years older anyways. Just do something you love. Don't do what yeah. you hate. So yeah, sweet. Okay. Well, Boston, where can people find you on the interwebs? So, so I'm on Twitter uh, at Bostonian Posts. I'm on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash yourbuddyboston. I uh, just recently passed 100 subscribers, so now I, I'm able to have a custom URL. You can find me on TikTok uh, at yourbuddyboston. I'm part of a, a part of a comedy band, comedy music band called Duck. It's all lowercase with an exclamation point. Um, we're kind of hard to find because that's actually a generic name and we didn't take that into account when we named the band. Uh, but if you search Duck, Duck, uh, our latest song is called Winged Brontosaur. It's about a brontosaur with wings learning to be himself. It's sort of a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sort of story. You can find us on pretty much any streaming pla- any music streaming platforms. We're on Bandcamp, Apple Music, Spotify, pretty much anywhere. You can find me at the Off-Broadway Theater in Draper, Utah. I'm going to be in the Drowsy Chaperone here in April uh, playing George. George, the best man George. Honored to be doing what a best man ought. Uh, it's not a parody like the others are, uh, but I think it'll still be fun. Fantastic. Cool. Well, everything and more will be linked below. Everything that we've kind of talked about in this episode will be linked down below and everywhere that you can find Boston, except for his home address, will be linked down below as well. Perfect. Okay. Well, Boston, thank you again for joining me on this episode. I really enjoyed being able to talk to you and learn about your creative process and really get to know who you are as a creative a little bit better. And I'm sure that everybody else enjoyed it as well. So thank you again for being here. Yeah. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, y'all, you know the drill, rate, review, subscribe, all the things. If you have a second, feel free to do those down below in either YouTube or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for joining in. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and we will see you two weeks from today. 